And here's what I want to ask you. What is holding you back? What is the thing that's holding you back from going after your dreams and from finding meaningful work you love? Aren't you ready to wake up to the possibilities that are in your life and go after the things you've dreamt of? It's time for you to feel alive again, lit up, and for you to know that you're deserving and you are worthy for the future that's waiting for you. I want you to feel fulfilled and find abundance in your life. I think it's time and I'm ready to help you get started. Now I'm your host, Kristen, of Building a Life You Love. And each week on the show, we're going to help you figure out how you do go after your dreams and find work you love. Here we go. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to Building a Life You Love. This is Kristen. And today I'm excited because we are going to talk to an entrepreneur that had a corporate career. And then she started another business or two. She was, you know, had startups. And then eventually she found transformational coaching. And that's what she stepped into. So I love that her story is like so many other entrepreneurs and that it's not linear and that we try a lot of things before we find the right fit for us. So I think it's really encouraging, inspiring to so many that are maybe still finding their way into that that thing that they'll really love doing. So take a listen. Hi, today on the show, I would like to welcome Sarah Saban. She is an entrepreneur and a transformational leadership coach and consultant. She's coming to us from Spain, and I would like to welcome her. Welcome, Sarah. Hello, Kristen. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, absolutely. I love how you're helping people and businesses. And I would love for you first to share a little bit about your journey from corporate to stepping into being an entrepreneur and what you're up to now. Absolutely. So I'm going to just, full context, go back a little bit into childhood and how I got into doing what I'm doing. So I was always one of those really kind of scrappy kids where you know, if someone told me I couldn't do something, I would go through hell and high waters to prove them wrong. Um, so basically, whether I wanted to do something or not was irrelevant. I was there to prove a point. So when I was thinking about my career, I was like, right, I want to do a career that, you know, a lot of people want to do and I want to be amazing at doing it. So I decided to do uh, law at university. Um, to cut a long story short, my corporate career consisted of training as a tax accountant because I was really into tax law. <laughs> Don't judge me. It was like my thing at the time. Um, and then I went to work for a multifamily office uh, for a few years. So I was looking after a portfolio of high net worth um, families and individuals. Now, whilst I was still in that corporate career, kind of in the last year of it, the seeds of unrest started. And I knew deep down that moving to another job kind of in a similar industry was not going to cut it. I didn't really know at that stage what I wanted. So I was like, OK, let's let's do some job interviews and see how it goes. At that point in time, um, one of my best friends approached me and she said, would you like to co-found a startup? And I was like, yay, great. <laughs> uh, why not? Let's do it. Um, so to cut that long story short, we started that startup whilst I was still working in my corporate career. And it was basically um, an events and online resources service for doctors wanting to transition to alternative careers. 
and it was going well. So I was like, right, I'm going to chuck in my corporate career. I think this was at the end of 2015. And um, I'm going to do this full time. And I'm also going to um, move to Spain part of the time to be with my then partner of about a year who was running a yoga tree out here. So kind of changed my whole life. And I think what made it psychologically easier for me was because I was like, right, this is it. This is what I'm going to do forevermore. Um, and that combined with a financial cushion I'd built up allowed me to make that transition. Now, when I did that, I was doing it for about a year. My relationship with my co-founder completely broke down. And this can happen quite often in startups that, you know, you have founders and their visions start to diverge and go in completely different directions. So I ended up walking away from that business, still have a small shareholding in it. I was like, right, this was your baby, your thing. I'll leave it to you. So that's still going. She's still running that. Then in another effort to prove a point to the world, I was like, right, I'm going to start a tech startup now. And I'll try and condense this story as well. Basically, I got investment to build a minimum viable product, put the product out, started getting users onto the platform. To the outside world, it looked like things were going well. But basically, they were one of the most stressful two and a half years of my life. So I was chronically stressed, chronically anxious. Um, I had panic attacks. I was working so hard and nothing ever felt like enough. And I think, you know, I was also on the edge of burnout twice. Mm -hmm. And after two and a half years of that, um, basically I built a small team around me and brought in a co-founder, but he phoned me. I was in an airport, I remember. And he said, um, hey, I've got this investor that's gonna put in all this money, aren't you happy? And I was like, no, <laughs> my heart sank because mm -hmm. I was like, my life already feels like it's falling apart around me. I can't ethically take money and commit to this for another three to five years because I think I will end up in the loony bin. Um, and so basically I walked away and you know what was interesting after that was I had so many emails from people being like oh, why are you stopping what are you doing you know things are going well etc etc but I knew that it was the right decision and I made a promise to myself that I would not start any other business without knowing that I had that deep purpose and passion behind it mm -hmm. So for two months, I forbade myself from starting any new business. <laughs> and, <laughs> and also my partner made me. So he was like, please stop. Um, and then I came across transformational coaching. And it was like completely life changing for me. Um, I'd never come across that kind of coaching before. And I was like, wow, this is it. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to build a business around this was a few years ago now so that's exactly what I did um I built uh, a six-figure business working with um leaders and high-performing entrepreneurs I love what I do I don't work every hour God sends <laughs> I don't um you know 
do millions of different things. I just focus on one or two things that generate leads. And, you know, now I'm in a position where I can teach that to other coaches to do the same without, you know, tearing their hair out or worrying about Facebook ads or any of that jazz. So, yeah, that's that's kind of my story. Oh, my gosh. That was packed with so much good stuff that we will definitely, you know, try to dig into further. I love that you shared, you know, that one, you know, you started to feel that uneasy because I think most of us have have experienced that at some point, right? Where we know maybe the job is no longer kind of working for us in our current life or season. And so, you know, and so you, there was a couple of key things there. One, you did have some money for a runway, right? And I think that's really important because as, uh, you know, I know we both talk about sometimes, you know, a lot of people in the last couple of years have decided their current positions or where they're working isn't working for them. It's not serving what where they're at right now in their lives, whether it's because they're a parent or they don't feel aligned with the purpose or they don't feel valued. And so I love that you talked about making that transition. And then you talked about trying a couple things and just realizing like this is not one, the industry or the partner's not working for you. And I think that's really important because I tell people all the time, I, I talk to friends or, you know, uh, other business people and they're thinking about going into business with someone else. And I, I, I'm very quick to warn them. You shouldn't just because the other person says, oh, let's start this thing together. I'm like, please be very cautious with that. I said, maybe you should start working with them on a different type of contract basis. You know what I mean? Because if you've never worked with them and you're just friends with them, that's not always a good uh, thing to get into because there's a lot of legality to that. And like you said, one person might be loosey goosey with the money and the other person's like, hold on, this is not going to work. So I like that you brought that up because that's a very common challenge and stressor for people. And so I think before you step into those relationships, right, those business financial relationships, you should be really cautious and maybe really understand what would that look like if it does end or someone needs to step away before you get into it? So I think that was a really important point to bring up. And then I, I love that you tried, you know, you tried something, you know, in this, you know, you said, I'm going to start this tech space. It's aligned with stuff, stuff I've done before, but you just knew that you had to step away one for your health, right. In your, in your mental health, but two, you just realized this is really not feeling in alignment with yourself and kind of where you want to go, you know, in your purpose. So I think those are all really amazing things that you shared with people, because I think sometimes we feel those feelings, but we don't want to admit it out loud, or at least for a period of time. But I think you saved yourself a lot of stress and heartache. And like you said, not getting to the edge of what you could really handle before you said, okay, I need to make a break. I need what, regardless of what that will look like, I need to step away from this. And so I think that's really important. But of course, the the beautiful thing about all this is that then you figured out something that seemed really to fit your lifestyle and or the lifestyle you wanted to build, right? Your work schedule and financially could align with what your goals were and that you actually really enjoy working with people in this way. So I love that. So what did that look like? How did you find out about transformational uh, you know, leadership coaching and how did you get started in that? What were those early days like? So the early days, um, it's actually um, a bigger story how I came to transformational coaching first before that I did something called theta healing uh theta is t-h-e-t-a if anyone wants to go look it up because I was just in this funk where I was like I've walked away from something but I don't know what the next steps look like 
it just, uh, I had three sessions and it really clicked something in me. And actually, before those sessions were up, I started coming across transformational coaches online. And I'm like, oh, I've literally never noticed this before. It's almost like because I was suddenly open, these things just started showing up. I know that sounds a bit (laughs) woo-woo. And I'm generally not a woo-woo person, but that's just how it was. And then when I saw things online, I did, you know, courses and I've, you know, invested in coaching multiple coaches myself. I was like, oh, this is just life changing. The real realization for me, as someone who has always been a practical person, action taker, you know, I went out and got things. But the real realization for me is if you sort out all of your internal world, first and if you continue to do that in conjunction with action steps you take you magnify your impact so much more than if you just did actions all the time that's so good so and then so once you figured out okay wow I didn't know about this thing you did the that therapy and then you you realized like this might be an area and then you went and did the courses and then you um, worked with some coaches but what did that, what, when you first started the business, what did that look like? In other words, compared okay. to now, that's yeah. a big shift because now you have this built up business. But for people that maybe want to start and they haven't stepped into being a coach or a consultant or whatever else they might want to do. Okay, so I'm going to answer that in two parts. I'm going to say how I got started and then how the six figure part happened. So how did I get started? I, again, read a book called The Prosperous Coach. Um, by Rich Lippin, which I really recommend. But it talked about um, using your network. I was like, wow, this is genius. This sounds so simple. Let's go do it. So I started just having conversations with people. And because I wanted to practice um, my coaching at that stage in time, I was offering um, free deep dive sessions was right at the beginning. And so, um, you know, People would refer people to me in their network or I would offer it to friends and then they would tell their friends about it. So I started booking in these deep dive sessions. And at the end of the deep dive session, I would make an offer. And what I found was, I think it was like maybe 35 to 50 percent of people were like, yeah, great, let's work together. And it literally was as simple as that. And in my first like. This was literally from the point that I had decided I want to start. I started in kind of in August and then by kind of October, November, I'd already made £10,000. And I was like, wow, (laughs) this is great. Um, Sorry? I knew I said you were thinking I can do this like as a business. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that was kind of my first part. And then a few things happened. So my head got completely involved in everything. And that's where things started to go a bit wrong. So what I did then is what a lot of people do where they're like running around looking for ways to market, do this and do that. And everyone's telling you different things and you're bombarded by things. So that's that actually that plus COVID led to a downturn. And then basically 
I was in a funk for months. I had therapy during that time as well, because I'm a big believer, clear out all your internal crap, stuff happens. So then again, I got back to a state of, okay, I understand that in the early stage of business, here are the things that are appropriate. I need to narrow it down further and say, okay, I'm trying to connect with leaders and high performers. Where do those people go? They're on LinkedIn. Okay, so what does my LinkedIn strategy look like? Mm -hmm. And basically, I then just narrowed it down to two core activities that I was doing and just hit it consistently for a month or two. And then um, shortly after that, I had my first £20,000 month. Then I was like, oh, wow, this really can happen. And, you know, it's it's just hard for, I think, people at the beginning of their business because there are so many people that are like, what are you doing? It's crazy. Why would you invest in a coach? Why would you do this? Why are you going to leave your job? But to quote something very insightful that one of my former clients said, he's like, sorry, I'm terrible at American accents. I'm going <laughs> to try to do an American accent. But anyway, he was like, Sarah, if everyone says you're crazy, you're on the right track. I'm like, I'm like, that's so true. Because you don't want to listen to the people that, you know, play it safe. Yeah. Because they're always going to think you're crazy. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. I love that. So one of the key things I think there was one to your point, just because things are going, you know, you're starting to build and then you have a detour or a pause or, you know, the world changed at that time. You just have to, like you said, kind of reassess. And then you, you, you know, you did the things to kind of make sure you weren't being blocked or that you weren't overthinking the things that weren't going right. Instead, look forward to what for me and who I'm trying to reach and what I'm trying to do, you know, what problem I'm solving. What really, really is that? Right. And instead of doing 50 things, it is so important. You know, I tell that to people all the time. If you have a list of 50 things, write them all down, put them to the side. And then just pick, to your point, pick the two or three top priorities, you know, in whatever that is. And obviously for most people, it's building your business and serving your clients, of course, you know, in a, in a high level way. So I love that you were really able to break through all that clutter, all that noise of everything we should be doing, because there are so many examples of entrepreneurs that aren't saying you have to be everywhere. You don't pick what feels most aligned with you and where your client is. And specialize that. So for some people, it's just on Instagram. For some people, it's just on LinkedIn. For some people, they don't want to be on social at all. And that can work too, right? Because it's through building through your website and your email, or it might be through going on podcasts, right? There's so many ways to build your business. To your point, you have to know where your person is. You have to know so clearly what your message and who your, what your niche is, and then just be consistent, right? And then take action. You have to keep taking that action. And so but I think a lot of people do get overwhelmed with thinking they have to do everything and they have to have my website perfect and I have to be on Facebook and I have to be here, but it dilutes everything, right? Yes, no, 100%. And, you know, this is such an important point. Do what resonates with you. Yes, yeah. there are certain things you shouldn't do at an early stage because it's a waste of time. You mm-hmm. should also be realistic about things that generate money quickly and things that take a bit longer to generate money because they're more uh, credibility building. Mm-hmm. So 
as long as you know what you're getting into, also look at, okay, well, what are my skills and talents? What am I really good at? Am I really good at writing? Am I really good at speaking? Am I really good um, at networking? Am I really good at, well, I don't know anyone that would probably say, yes, I'm really good at LinkedIn, but, you know, you know enough about your skills and what you need to master to get to where you need to go. So there is no one way it's understanding what are the ways that work for you mm-hmm. what about so okay so let's say you know someone gets that figured out so they start trying to much like you did for you you decided oh linkedin's a place for me because of who i'm trying to reach so you started being consistent for you was there one strategy that was like the best so was it videos was it posting content was it just connecting with people what did you find for what you're trying to do worked best for you so I always say to people at the beginning of their business um, and people don't like to hear this but (laughs) say anyway you need to proactively reach out to people Mm -hmm. it's not enough to just do videos and hope for the best Um, yes you can do that as well but at the beginning, it's about being proactive. So especially at that beginning stage, it was reaching out directly to people and having conversations with them. In the same way that I'm talking about utilizing your network, right. it's about having those conversations with people. So again, you need to be strategic about that because you know a lot of people like running around doing networking, for example, but they're not networking <laughs> with the kind of person that they want to work with. Right. So what's the point? There's no point in doing a workshop for a load of people that aren't your ideal client. But I think people kind of try and lose themselves in busy work to almost justify the fact that they're doing something. There's no Mm -hmm. point in doing something. It's not going anywhere. But to come back to your question, I am much better at writing than I am at videos. Um, I've got better at doing. <laughs> I've got better at doing videos through practice. But yeah. I love writing, and I love actually uh, podcast interviews because I like just having conversations with people. What's not to like about that? Yeah. Oh no, that's so good. And there, uh, one book uh, that I, I enjoy. It's not new. It's it's been out for many many years. But it's called the one. I think it's called the one thing. But it's actually someone in the real estate industry that their company became very well-known and successful, especially in the United States. But they basically talk about, and it wasn't their data, but they share it in the book about the dominoes, that if you can get the first small domino, but it's the right domino, right? The right goal, the right priority or the right strategy, that one domino can literally make, you know, a hundred more dominoes fall. In other words, move you towards your goal quicker, but it's all about figuring out that that main one first or the main one for today, right? And the main one for tomorrow. But that's exactly what you did, right? You figured out what was the one strategy, the one place, the one thing I can do consistently and show up doing in that domino will fall and hit other ones that'll let you uh, meet more prospects. And those prospects, a percentage of them will become clients, right? So you just worked on that narrowing down to figure out that, that one important first domino. And I think Sometimes we try to hit the 10th domino, which might be this bigger thing, but then we get kind of lost and we don't actually hit the domino down, you know, or the, we don't reach the, the goal or reach the strategy. So I think that's so important for sure. 
Yeah, I, I like the domino analogy actually. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> other thing, and, and don't get me wrong, I've 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 been here too before. You know, and it's something that you have to really you have to get focused because there's another image in that book I really like. Uh, and like I said, obviously it's not their research, so it's it's other places, but it shows you the circle with arrows going every direction, like much like a sun, the sun rays. And then they show the, how if you do that, there's a lot of effort in many directions, but the results won't be great in any one way versus that circle with the arrow going in one direction. And you will get so much more results because you have focused energy towards one thing. And I think that's so true for a lot of people starting out or people that get stuck, they're plateaued. It's because we've gotten so busy, to your point, we get stuck in the weeds with all the things instead of being able to identify what are those top couple things? And I think we underestimate the importance of that as we step into each day. Yes. And I think that's where a coach can really help because they're like, okay, well, what are you trying to achieve? Okay. Well, why are you doing that? And it, it, it works for any entrepreneur at any level. Yeah. I mean, in working with high performing entrepreneurs, we're talking about like multiple seven figure businesses. And it's the same right. thing. What are you trying to achieve? Okay, so you say you're trying to achieve that, but what are you really doing? You're running around on a treadmill all the time, not right. really thinking about what are, what are the key activities here that you need to be doing. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think what happens a lot of time is we just get stuck on our to-do list or we get stuck in our heads about all the things that need to get done. So if someone else hearing us say those things or looking at what we say our priorities are, it's the outsider perspective, right? It's someone saying, well, I hear you saying this, but then I see this, right? Mm -hmm. So we see the misalignment or the lack of clarity on something. So we're able to recognize it, right? As, as helping someone coaching or advising or consulting, whereas sometimes when you're stuck in the day-to-day, we miss it, right? At least it's some yes. stage or period. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, and then, you know, that's why that's why coaches go to <laughs> go to other coaches right because they realize that like they're in the they can't see the wood for the trees I think that's the expression yeah yeah 100% so what else would you share with us about how people get um stuck you know in the mindset thinking and those limiting beliefs where if we can kind of work on those top couple we can really make a big impact or a big shift or a big you know could be a big jump in income it could be getting more clients clarity whatever it might be so I think number one you know limiting beliefs when a lot of people start a business even if they've had a successful corporate career their money mindset can hold them back mm -hmm. um again I <laughs> I speak from experience on this yeah. so um you know you when it comes to having your own business, you get influenced by what's going on around you. So either it's, and I've spoken to many coaches before I became a coach, and they were like, oh, you can't make money from coaching, you can't do this, you can't do that, um, no one's pay for it, etc. The naysayers. And then on the other side, you've got people that are like, oh, I built a multi-seven-figure business in five minutes. Um, so whichever way you look, you kind of feel bad. You need to think, OK, come back to what do I want to be earning in my business and work backwards from there and understand that I need to overcome certain uh, money mindset things in order to up level. So one of my mentors once described it as a financial thermostat. 
you're used to a certain amount of survival money. Mm-hmm. And then if you earn above that, the thermostat starts to reset and bring you down again, unless you break through that level. So that's um, one kind of limiting belief. And I think another one is um, confidence, right? Imposter syndrome comes up a lot. Who am I to do this? Who am I to work with, with these kinds of people? And that kind of manifests itself in one, I guess, focusing on the wrong types of things that really won't make a difference to your bottom line anyway. So examples of that are constantly tweaking your website, not wanting to launch things till they're perfect, et cetera, et cetera. So you're constantly holding yourself back from money because when you actually get out there and coach people, then it comes down to, well, what if I can't do this? What if they don't get transformations, et cetera? So you hold yourself back from doing that. And before I heard this quote, I think it's from Rich Lipton, but before confidence comes courage yeah you need to take the action steps to put yourself out there and get that experience and as you get the experience you'll become more comfortable doing it but you know you have to get outside of your comfort zone first um and then the other kind of things that hold you back I think are just you know if you have any unresolved issues or traumas or things that you know you have buried for years those all tend to come to the surface trying to build a business so when you start to understand how you see your world and start to understand that some of your beliefs are actually rubbish and they were formed by you 20 years ago based on one or a couple of experiences you've had you start to live into better beliefs like does that belief serve me anymore no it served me at that stage in time it doesn't serve me anymore Mm -hmm. what can I choose to believe instead and when you kind of start to change this internal environment it naturally changes your actions and behaviors and then you can start to form new habits so as much as action is important, um, addressing your beliefs and mindset are just key to continuously up-leveling. Uh, so true. And I think a lot of times, unless you've done the work and continue to do the work where it's needed, right, in these stories or these narratives that we have subconsciously or consciously, we don't realize there's work to be done. So, for instance, it was only you know, in the last, I don't know, maybe five years that I really dug further into, oh, hold on. Wait, we all have money stories, right? We bring those from childhood. We bring those from what our parents told us about money, what the world tells us about money. But everyone has these narratives or thoughts about money, you know, in all different ways. Some are, if you have to work hard to get money, but a lot of us, if we've never thought about these things, don't realize we all have these thoughts about money or about work or about what we deserve. All, all the different things. So if we've never sat down to really think about what do I believe about this, we can't know if it's actually keeping us stuck somewhere, right? And so I love that you brought those up. And I agree with you. I, one coach that I worked with, you know, for people that were doing coaching or mentoring and things, you know, one of the things is you're you're right. You do have to take action because that's actually how you get the clarity, right? So for instance, if it was a new coach, you may not know. Are you going to do transformational leadership, or are you doing life coaching, or or business, 
but you, you have to, at those early stages, if you're not certain, start coaching and realize which one fits best and where I'm actually getting the best transformation based on my abilities and based on my knowledge. And so, you know, once again, you don't have to have it perfect and it doesn't have to be coaching. Of course, it could be a different business, but if you don't try, you're not testing something and you're not testing how it works for you and works for the client. But as you do that, you get a little more clarity, a little more clarity until you really understand, you know, you might know who you might know who your person is, you think, but a lot of times it's still too broad, right? And we have to keep narrowing down and narrowing down. And so I think that that's another good point is try, even if you think you kind of know, but you're, don't keep tinkering, as you were saying, don't keep working on the website, put something out and keep put some, something out. And it might, it's going to get tweaked over time. And that's normal and would be expected, I think, for some period of time. Yes. I mean, I um I completely 100% agree with what you're saying, Kristen. And um, it's about kind of doing these micro experiments. Mm-hmm. Because until you do them, <laughs> as you say, you don't know that you definitely want to work with that type of person. Yes, you've got to start somewhere and you've got to write an offer that's compelling to that particular audience. But you might discover when you're working with them, actually, you're not really interested in working with them after all. Um, And then, you know, you're not set in stone forever to do that. Try a new micro experiment. And don't worry about your website (laughs) whilst you're experimenting. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Worry more about, like you said, getting transformation for people or if it's not coaching, of course, getting, uh, giving, solving the client's problem, right? And whatever product or service you're offering. And so, you know, that's kind of the key there. Well, let me ask you this. So a lot of people have started their own businesses. They're considering starting it. Maybe they've started a side hustle. And I 100% encourage people to do this. Even if you work for somebody full time, I think it's important as we, we start diversifying income, right? We have different revenue streams. And so what would you say though, you know, I think one thing I try to focus on is I tell people, we really can define life on our terms. We can reassess our priorities and make sure, are we living a life and a work schedule, you know, lifestyle that aligns with what we say our priorities are? And so what would you just say about as we design our schedules, whether we work for ourselves or not, any recommendations on how we make sure that there's a good work-life synergy and that, you know, we aren't getting burned out or just kind of exhausted, you know, from what we, because it's really up to us, I think, to, to manage that, to have boundaries. Yes. Um, and I'll talk about it from two perspectives. So number one, if you're still in a job and it's a side hustle and number two, if you're, if you're, uh, sort of doing it full time or aiming to do it full time. So if you're still in a job, basically you just carve out non-negotiable time that you will spend on your business each week and don't make it a stupid amount of hours like I'm going to do 20 hours a week no you're not you already work 50 hours a week so (laughs) you know whether that looks like five hours or 10 hours do what you can realistically manage without sacrificing your health and uh, burning yourself out and then sit down and spend that time doing the right activities that are going to generate the revenue that is going to make you able to leave the bit, uh, the company you're working for if you want to do that. Obviously, right. if you just want to do a side hustle and make money, that's cool too. Yeah. Up to you. Um, if you're sort of if you're putting full time energy into it, that's where you can go down a rabbit hole because 
what was really interesting to me when I left the corporate world for the first time was I was almost trying to create um, a work schedule, um, even though I didn't have an employer anymore. So yeah. it's almost the natural thing of wanting to fill in time. Mm-hmm. Yes. And wanting to work hard. And then you start to think, okay, well, why am I so tired all the time? Okay, well, I'm I'm trying to recreate something just to fill in time. So the best way to to think about it when you are doing something full time is to time box. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to spend a certain number of hours each week having conversations with people discovery calls whatever you want to call them I'm going to spend a certain amount of time doing client service each week obviously in the beginning you're going to be doing less client service and more of the discovery things but you need to be spending the requisite number of hours on the right activities each week Mm -hmm. and then making sure that you're taking care of yourself as well so making sure you're going for a walk, making sure you're doing meditation or whatever floats your boat Mm -hmm. so that it's sustainable because it is going to get hard. Like, you know, it will get hard at times. You need to have the energy reserves to cope with it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it will lead to problems. And I know, (laughs) I know I've been there. It's, it's not nice. Yeah. Yeah, I agreed. And even for instance, on my Mondays and Fridays, they're completely blocked off. I don't do, you know, um, like mentoring or coaching. I don't do interviews typically. I mean, if someone has an, there's always an exception, but those are my days to, you know, just get work done, do creative work, maybe take the afternoon off if, if I'm caught up for the week. But it's so that I don't end up having, you know, working more hours than if I work for someone else, right? Versus I'm working for myself. So I try to, even with scheduling, right? I'm not available from 7 a.m. till 7 p.m., right, to clients or to to podcast interviews. So I try to block off different times, you know, but we have to be intentional with our time. And then sometimes we realize we're intentional with our time, but maybe it's not working. So we have to adjust. And I think that's the other thing. We have to revisit this regularly and say, you know, I think the other thing is we have to have a goal for ourselves. If you say, well, I really, what would work for me in my season is 20 hours a week. You know, for somebody, it might be 40. For somebody else, it might be 15. I mean, it depends on where you're at and financially, how much money can you make in that time, depending on what you're doing. But I think that's the other thing. Like, what's our goal? And try to design it around that and see if you can make the income match those hours, you know? And so, but you have to have intentions behind it, I think. And I think that's probably one of the more important things is intentions and then keep assessing it regularly. Yeah. I mean, I think... um... I think we were discussing this before anyway, but the hustle culture. Yeah, you have to work 24-7. You don't. You really don't. You don't have to work anywhere near 24-7 to build a six-figure business. Um, the only reason why I work as hard as I do is because I'm continuously up-leveling and adding new things. But I could also work a lot less and still have a six-figure business. Yeah. So, I mean, even with what I'm doing, the way I'm doing it at the moment, I rarely work more than 30 to 40 hours a week anyway. Yeah. And I also have um, my partner that is like, are you taking regular breaks? And I need that kind of kick sometimes. But I think, you know, with me, what I needed was to come more into this flow of working less. Mm -hmm. But other people 
you know, it can sometimes be the opposite. They're just right. not doing enough or they're wasting their time doing things that don't really need to be done. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of getting that balance right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I so agree. So is there anything that you would like to share just with people, maybe to encourage them as they step into something or they step into wanting to do it in a bigger way before we wrap up? Yeah. I mean, first of all, there'll never be a perfect time. Yeah. <laughs> the perfect time and does not exist. Um, number two, really know what you want mm-hmm. and why you want it. And when I say what you want, it doesn't have to be the entire graphic detail of everything that you want, but a general idea. And know why you want it, because then you have um you can intentionally create a business to come back to the intention around the kind of clients you want to work with, around playing to your skills and talents, around the kind of lifestyle that you want. For me, I realized in retrospect, I didn't want to be a tech entrepreneur. (laughs) I just didn't. Um, And once you've decided all of that, just realize that, especially at the beginning of a business, simplicity is key. What you're doing shouldn't be 50 things at once. As you've said, Um, you shouldn't be wasting your time on things that don't matter. You should be working on the few things that you need to do to make money and that resonate with you. So, again, if you hate social media, don't be on every social media channel all the time. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And the last thing is just make decisions. Um, I was listening to... um, my ex-coach actually uh, one of her YouTube videos and she was saying you know the number one cause of failure for entrepreneurs is uh indecision Mm -hmm. and the number one habit of uh very wealthy people is taking a decision and sticking to it Mm -hmm. and that's so important you know don't get stuck in limbo land because it's very very demoralizing to be in limbo land Mm -hmm. oh so good thank you sarah so much for your time today how can people connect with you online and learn more about what you have to offer and how you're working with people so i have my website which i'll spell my name because it's sarah without an h so it's um sarahsabin.com s-a-r-a-s-a-b-i-n all one word I have um, a lead magnet, which is called uh, Six Myths about building a six-figure coaching business and what to do instead. And I also have a guide on eight ways to get out of your head and make a bigger impact. Um, You can find me on LinkedIn, Sarah Caroline Sabin. I'm very active on there. And yeah. I think, I think that's everything. My contact details are also on my website. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey into stepping into entrepreneurship, how you're helping people with the transformational coaching and just all the other great tidbits you shared about stepping into something and making it an impactful and a financially viable business. Well, thank you for having me, Kristen. I really enjoyed this conversation. What I hope you'll take away from today's episode is that Even if you've started and tried different things, but if they don't feel right, if you're not in the right place because either it's just overwhelming to you, your health is suffering, or you just know that you have this pull that you're supposed to step into something else, don't ignore those feelings and explore what else might be out there for you. 
we do not have to be tethered to our past. For a long time, I felt that way as well, that this was what I know. This is my career. This is what I'm good at. And so for so long, I felt like I had to have some connection to that part of my experience in my career. But we can step, step into new things. We can do different things that will really fill us up. So I hope you'll keep looking for that thing if you haven't found it yet. And know just because you've started something doesn't have to be the end-all be-all of what you stay in. Once again, thanks for listening to the podcast. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we would love it if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts because that helps us get discovered by more people. We'd also love your feedback. So email me at Kristen at KristenFitch.com or DM me on Instagram. I'm at Kristen Fitch. And let me know what ideas or ideas for shows or for guests that you have. I would love to hear from you.